Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, um, we're going to jump into the word this morning. We've been in Colossians and we're going to stay in Colossians. I was going back and forth on whether or not we need to get out of this to for Mother's Day, but um, we're going to stay in the book of Colossians today, and Colossians has been a good series. Y'all been liking this series? It's been good? Yeah, it's been good. Uh, it's been tough at times, but it's also been a really good book to walk through, and I believe God is doing something in our midst where uh, the reason we chose this book is to bring us back to this whole understanding of the centrality of Christ, and so that's the title of this series, which is uh, Jesus at the center. And so the reason we chose that is because in the pandemic, just by way of reminder, there's just so many things that have come out with different ways of reason, different theology, um, up and down within the pandemic and people believing this and people not believing this or you should believe this. And what I want to do is bring us back to what the word of God says. And I want us to keep Jesus central. So today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 going to start in verse 18 so if you got a bible go ahead and open it with me and if you're able i'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me as we read the word of god <clears throat> and i know if you got your bible already open you already see the curse word in verse 18 and so that means y'all didn't see it yet because nobody said anything so um, chapter 3 verse 18 if you got it go ahead and say got it all right Starting in verse 18, hear me, don't shoot the messenger, this is the Bible. And this is uh, the text we're in, I promise it's not the point of the text though, all right? Verse 18, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. I love this part. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on Christ-driven relationships. Christ-driven relationships. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for you. Thank you for your goodness. God, I do ask right now that, that you would remove me, decrease me, so that you may increase in this place. As I pray every week, hide me behind your cross so that we can see you. Now, God, I ask that you stand in my body and speak with my mouth, think with my mind. The words that you would have me to speak, God, fill this place with your spirit have your way in our hearts and it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together amen amen you can be seated you can be seated 
I hear y'all whispering. Y'all heard the word. It's all good. In high school, I had a basketball coach that was a little off. Y'all ever had a coach that was a little off? I see Michelle way off, Jay. Just a little off. And um, I mean, if you never had a coach, maybe you're like, I, don't, I didn't play basketball. You ever had a coach? Somebody just off in your life, just like some screw a little. It might be a missing a little bit. Yeah, I see you, CJ. Okay. And, and I, joke, uh, I joke a bit from the pulpit about basketball a lot. And, and I really, I ended up in actuality going to play football at Indiana University. I, I, Hoosiers, I heard a yay. Let's go, Hoosiers. I played there. And, um, but in reality, basketball was my first love and still is. And I, I, if I, st- I still play two to three times a week if I'm able, if my body lets me, Robinson. I mean... Which probably poses a question to you all. If you love basketball so much, why did you go play football? Why didn't you play basketball in college? Well, it goes back to my coach. See, when you have a coach, you're supposed to submit. You're supposed to listen to them because your coach... It's supposed to have your good in mind, right? They're supposed to think about you and your good. At least that's what we think. Now, mind you, I came into high school at times averaging 25 to 30 points a game. I'm not lying. In middle school for various different teams. And so throughout the state of Indiana, I was known for basketball more than I was football or baseball. But when I got to high school, my coach because it was his team and he was in control, thought that he could have the power to do whatever he wanted to when he wanted to. So needless to say, Jay, we didn't get to play the way we wanted to play. We had to play his system of basketball, which inevitably meant that we went from being one of the best recruited classes at this college prep school to uh, number one in the state our first freshman year to by the end of our senior year, not being close to a ranking at all. I was a guard, but in high school, because I played football, my coach put me down low to where I had to guard people like Greg Oden and Josh McRoberts. And if y'all don't know those names, these are seven-foot-tall future NBA players. No lie. I'm six-foot-two. So you ask, well, why keep playing? You can't play the way you want to, D. Why would you keep playing basketball? Well, it was my coach, so I thought I should submit. I I, I looked up to him. I I thought I should listen. And in reality, I was submitting myself to something that was more destructive than helpful to me. He stole the love of the game from me for years. It all came to head one summer when we were out in Las Vegas and we were playing in this tournament called the Big Time Tournament. We were playing against NBA stars, future NBA stars like Dwight Howard, and he's dunking on everybody. And I got in the game one time and I was was just, I was shooting three-pointers the whole time. I was shooting three-pointers. And if you ever see me play Robinson, then you know about my three-point shot. I actually can shoot the ball. I can shoot the ball. And... 
I remember this clearly as it was yesterday, 16 years old, my, my coach, he calls a timeout and he pulls everybody out of the game and he puts, he put us, he, we're in the huddle and he, he looks at me, singles me out and he's yelling, Derek, stop shooting three pointers. That's not your game. Play your role. Don't shoot anymore. And I looked at him kind of cockeyed. And needless to say, that was the last time I ever played basketball for him. But it took my love for basketball for years until well into college. Now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor D, why are you telling us this story? Well, here's the point, if you missed it. I was right in submitting to him because he was my coach supposed to be for my good but in reality I had submitted myself to someone who was more destructive and demeaning versus helpful and uplifting and many of us if we're honest today we're I'd venture to say we're in relationships we're working jobs right now maybe even marriages that are far more destructive than they are helpful We've allowed ourselves to be in, or should I say, submitted to relationships that are harmful. And Paul, in our passage this morning, he gives us practical instructions on proper relationships as is fitting to the Lord. That's the key part. He says, as in fitting in the Lord seven times in the passage, which lets us know that that's the point of the passage. It's not the curse word that some of y'all caught up on. It's not submission. The point is, as in fitting to the Lord. See, Paul says submit and obey, but only as is fitting to the Lord. This goes with everything we've talked about throughout this series up to this point. Paul is trying to turn the church of Colossae's eyes towards Jesus because of who he is and what he has done. And as I've said in weeks past, your identity, listen to me, as a Christ follower, hear me, hear me, your identity is what informs your action. It's not vice versa. So it's not I do this and I do that and therefore here's my identity. No, my identity as a follower of Jesus, as a son or daughter of God, informs my activity. And so Paul is speaking to that here in this passage where he's talking about our intimate relationships and relationships with others. He's saying now your identity in Christ, hear me, now affects your relationships too. It affects your relationships, not just what you do. But it affects your relationships with other people. See, see here, here, for example, my identity was in basketball. It was wrongly placed. It was in basketball. So what happened as a result? I was failed by a coach. Yeah. Y'all following me? See, I, I know, I know this passage is troublesome because people have taken this, this scripture right here out of context and we've abused it in many ways whether it be to validate the abuse of women or children through domineering men or even the condoning of slavery this passage right here and I'm here to tell you that's not Paul's point of this passage that's not what he's getting at at all so stick with me I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood Paul is trying to get the church to understand that your relationship with Jesus informs your relationship with others therefore now giving watch this proper order to society in the home 
You see, our relationship with Jesus, there's that vertical beam, the cross. There's vertical and there's a horizontal beam. Vertically, we're reconciled through Jesus to God. That's that part of the relationship. But horizontally, now our relationship with God affects our relationship with others. We forget that one. But that's what Paul is really getting at here in this passage. So I got three points and I'm out your way. Number one, proper submission follows sacrificial love. Proper submission follows sacrificial love. Number two, Christ informs your obedience. Christ informs your obedience. And number three, remember who you truly serve. Remember who you truly serve. Now, by way of reminder, I know we have a vis- visitors here today. Paul here is confronting the Colossian church, and he's trying to bring them back to the correct understanding of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done on their behalf, who he is, and who they are now as believers in Christ. Uh, the reason being is because various different beliefs have now entered the land, and Paul is, is, is trying to keep them for, from believing something that is false and destructive. So he reminds them about Jesus and who they are in Christ. Now, he uses in, first, in the first two chapters, he walks through this and he tells them about Jesus. He says he's supreme. He's the creator of all things, but also he died in your place on the cross. He died for your sins, our sins, sins that he didn't commit. And he says, because this is true in chapter 3, now you are to walk in Christ. You're to walk in Christ. Put on the things that are Christ-like. Keep your mind on the things above. Thus, Paul, in short, is saying, walk in your identity now as a son or a daughter of God. In essence, don't be who you used to be. That's gone. Where where you used to walk according to your own understanding or or what the world around you used to say. No, 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 no. Put, Put that away. And as, as Steve just said last week, put on, put on the things that are, that are Christ-like. Put on the new clothes the, of the believer like compassion and kindness and humility, meekness and patience. Put those things on, patience. Put that on. And the key to all of this, or should I say in doing all of this, is that you stay in Christ. You stay keeping him in your mind you keep your heart on him. Listen, it's not in what you do. It's not about what you do. It's who or what you're focused on. It's not about what you do with your hands. It's, it's, it's who or what you're focused on. See, Paul doesn't give us a list of things throughout the Bible in these chapters so you can just leave and go out and do some work now. No, no, no. No, no. What, what, what he's doing here, everything that Paul says... And he says, put on and do this comes as a result of verse 16 in chapter 3 where he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This means as you read the Bible and as you stay in godly community with people around you that love Jesus, Christ will be the one to work and will in you for his good pleasure. Don't miss that. You see, walking with Christ is a walk where we trust him for our salvation by faith. But it's also a walk where we trust him by faith every day of our lives, keeping our minds on him. See, he doesn't need you to work something out or prove anything. I'm talking to somebody. All he needs for us 
to do or is to trust him. Trust him and follow him, and he will do the work in and through you again for your good and for his glory among the nations. Y'all, Christianity is not a works-based faith. It's truly faith-based in the love of God and the grace of God on your behalf through Jesus, where then through your belief and your faith in him, he then graciously chooses to use you for his good among the nations. Hear me, don't, don't mix Christianity with the ways and the people of the world. You've heard me say this before, I'll say it again. As a Christian, you don't work for approval. You work from approval. You're fully loved and fully approved by God based off of Jesus' work when he died on the cross with those nails in each one of his hands and in his feet. It's not about what we bring to the table. Now, this all leads to the text today because Paul says, now that you know this, now you know who to follow and who is working in you, this is what relationships should look like as a result. He begins by saying, verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, again, before you go turning me off because I said submit. Better yet, I didn't even say it. The Bible said it. Amen. Hear these words as is fitting in the Lord. So in a nutshell, this is something that is done out of reverence to Christ. It's not because somebody said it or you got to do this. This is out of reverence to Christ. But let me break this down a bit more for you because I don't want you to get lost in it. In the context of where Paul would actually say this in Colossae, Listen, women, children, and slaves were all seen in the same vein. They were not equal to men in society at all. In fact, they were seen as property. Where it was acceptable and expected at many times for men to be domineering and overbearing and abusive. And you may be thinking, well, that's, that's not right. And it's not. And it's not, it's most certainly not what Paul is trying to say in this passage that we should submit to. When you read this passage in context, y'all, Paul, just like my man last night in the boxing and MMA, he's literally like one, two punch uppercut in the culture right now. When he's saying this, he's he's like, no, no, what he's saying right now, they wouldn't have liked this. See, he keeps his, his submitting language of Ephesians 5 where he, he talks about a wife submitting to the husband as the spiritual head of the home. But then he says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, I told you already that women were seen as property in this day. So this would have been a very troublesome and countercultural statement. The guys, wait a second, Paul. You telling me to love my wife? Do what? Come again? Be nice? Cherish her? Not harsh? Paul, that's my property. I can do what I want to do. They wouldn't have liked anything he had to say right here. See, see, don't miss this. Here, here. What Paul is trying to get at is proper submission follows sacrificial love. 
Let me say it again. Proper submission follows sacrificial love. When Paul says submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, he is saying submit to your husbands as is proper and in line with Christ's love for the church. Where in Ephesians 5, it says that the husband is the head of the wife. And watch this. He is to love her as Christ has loved the church. And then she submits to him. Now watch this because we get caught up in the submission and we miss the good in it. Paul says here in verse 19 of our text and in Ephesians 5, the husband is to love the wife. More specifically, like Christ has loved the church, which begs the question, Pastor D, how in the world has Christ loved the church? Jay, he died. Stebbin, he died. He died. Then he died. Christ died. He gave his life up for the people at the time who didn't truly believe in him nor follow him. He died not knowing that by doing this, he would get any brownie points in return. Somebody go with me on that. He gave his life up for us, dying one of the most gruesome deaths on the cross. Nailed there in his hands and nailed in his feet. So hear me, the emphasis here really isn't on the submission of women, but instead it's on the love of the husband. This means that husbands, and I know it's Mother's Day, but this shouldn't be the only day that she gets breakfast in bed. It shouldn't be the only day that she gets flowers. But your wife should feel like she can literally touch the sky at any point in time because of how you love her. You are to be the wind beneath her wings. She, she is to bloom like the flowers in the springtime here in Chicago. And, and watch this, not, not just in the springtime, but she's to bloom in them gray times and the snowy times of the winter in Chicago too. That means day in and day out. And guess what? Just in case you missed it, we don't love sacrificially just when she submits. We don't love sacrificially when we feel like it. Or in hopes that we're going to get something in return. No, Christ died when we were his enemies. We were his enemies. And we're to love like that, which means, watch this, this one's going to hurt. We're to love our wives and care for her even when she gets on your nerves and you can't stand her. Come on, y'all being holier than that. I know some of y'all walked in here like, I can't stand this man. I can't stand this woman. We get that way. And that's what he's saying. Love sacrificially. Even when you don't feel like it. This means when you walk in the house from a long day at work, you've been working and all you want to do is come home and and go sit in front of the TV and have the TV watch you while you got your favorite drink. Y'all miss that? You ain't watching the TV, it's watching you. And you just want to sit there. And then your wife, she's had a long day too, whether she was working or she's with the kids. And she comes home and she's like, she's like, no, you got the kids. I need you to get dinner. I need you to do this. And she's like, I'm going upstairs. And you're like, what? And in that moment, you got a decision to make. Are you going to be loud and start yelling? 
Get your, I've been tired. I've been working all day. I'm doing this, trying to provide. Or in that moment, do you lay down your rights? Notice that something's going on with your wife. And say, babe, can we talk? What's going on? How can I help you? You got a decision to make. Now, I know you're probably sitting there you're saying, Pastor D, you're being kind of hard on the men. One, I'm really not. That's the Bible. And in fact, all I'm saying is that this is what Jesus has done for us. And that's how he calls us to love as men. He died. So let me help you. I, I've talked about this before with some of you all, but when I... I, I have the same instance happen in my house a lot. I, I come home and I, I have five beautiful kids and I have a wife that loves me, but I'm tired. You know, after the day, I'm, I'm going to be tired. I preach two sermons and it's still Mother's Day. I'm tired. What I do every day, just to, just to give you a help, and I learned this from a mentor of mine too, and I'm not perfect at it, but what I do is when I come home, I literally, before I go in the house, I'll just sit in my car and I pray. I pray and I ask God, I say, I need your help. I'm tired right now. I don't have the strength in me. I need you to help me take off my work hat right now. Put on my dad hat. Put on my husband hat. I don't have it. I need you. And in that moment, after I pray it, I just sit in silence and I just want to be present with God. So as I leave him, I can be present with my family. present. Husbands, these first two verses are really for you. So hear this. When you love correctly, sacrificially, proper submission follows. Because let me ask you, who wouldn't want to follow a love that's all about them? Y'all miss that? Who wouldn't want to follow someone who is all about your good? That's why we follow Jesus. Because he was good when he died 2,000 years ago on the cross. He's good today, and he'll be good tomorrow. That's why we follow Jesus, because he's for us. That's what Paul's getting at. He's saying, love your wife. Love them this way. See, the husband, hear me is to love her sacrificially. Y'all, this, this submission stuff, y'all, this is, this is not about, this ain't about, uh, this ain't about power. This is about love. Submission comes out of a proper response to love. Don't get it twisted. Now, I know, I know, you, you're saying, well, what about homes, Pastor D, well, where the husband doesn't love this way? But instead, he's abusive, and he's physically and verbally abusive, and he doesn't really believe in Jesus. Well, hear me. You're not to submit to that mess. The husband or man is to bring about dominion, which means to create and cultivate, means to make something flourish. That's not dominate. It's dominion. So everything, not even just your wife, everyone around you should flourish because of how you love others. Create and cultivate, flourish. 
Sadly, Christian circles have gotten this thing all wrong, and we've treated women like pawns on a chessboard where, where they're, they're just there for our good, and they're undervalued, and they're overlooked in many spaces. Lady, hear me. Hear, hear me, hear me. You are equally loved, and you're equally cherished in the eyes of God. You are a daughter of the Most High, and I can't change the world or how everyone looks at you, but here at Renewal... I can say this, I won't stand for injustice done toward our ladies. Not here, not now. I can't change the Bible, how it's designed, why men were created first, and why he says wives submit, and it's not men submitting. But what I choose to believe is that God is a good God that his way is best. And watch this. When we love properly in the way he's called us to love, then in reality, women should outshine men. Because we're loving and serving and laying down our lives for them as well as others around us. That's what Christ has done for us. And with that, some of that, I'm going to be honest, some of us, y'all, y'all I, I'm not hard on everybody because some of y'all got some great husbands in here. And you, and you need to say thank you. They've been supporting you. They've loved you well. You got great husbands. But on the other hand, I know there's someone in here that's saying, I don't know if that's me. And you're navigating this thing. How do I, how do I, how do I submit and, and as fitting to the Lord, whether I leave or I stay, God? Hear me, God doesn't want divorce. That's not his desire. But he also doesn't want you in a relationship where there's mistreatment, abuse, or infidelity. That's unacceptable. And if you're in that space, you should immediately seek help. You cannot fix it. And this isn't just a woman. This is for men, too. You cannot fix it. And if you need help and you're here, talk to myself, talk to our elders, Jay, talk to somebody on our staff. Seek help. Husbands, hear me. If you haven't got it by now, Christ is your example on how to love. And you will mess this thing up. Because you're not Jesus. And you're not sinless. But you're to sacrificially love your wife and seek her betterment. And submission will follow. Because again, who wouldn't want to follow that type of love? That's why we follow Jesus, because he loved us despite us. Paul moves on to verse 20 and 21, and he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for it pleases the Lord. Uh, this is simply a restatement of one of the Ten Commandments where he says, Honor thy mother and thy father. But the emphasis really here is on the man, again, or the father, to not provoke the children because they will become discouraged. Again, Hear me, this would have been countercultural because children were considered property just like women. And the father or the man during this time could treat them however he wanted to, which now most of the time involved anger and provoking. Pastor and theologian Tony Evans says it this way. When you correct your children, look at it with me. You want to break their will, their stubbornness, without breaking their spirit. The goal is to lead them to willing obedience and righteousness. 
our children need to know that they are significant and important and that we as their parents will love them and not place demands on them that they can never satisfy. Remember, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Let me say that last part again. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Again, just like with women, men are to love their children, which leads to obedience. But let me keep moving because Paul has more. Paul then says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters, not with eye service or people pleasing, but with sincerity of heart, pleasing the Lord. And bond servant here in the original language would have been the same word uh, for slave, which is key to our context. Paul says here in verse 1 of chapter 4, Masters, treat your bondservers justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Now, I know this is troublesome because of what has happened here in America, how slavery has happened here in America, specifically with white people uh, treating black people as less than animals for 400 plus years. And we still feel the effect today in our relationships. In which, hear me, Paul is not condoning this. Now, slavery at the time was a way of life. And most of the time, people that were considered slaves or bond servants were people that owed a debt. They had to work to pay something off. So it wasn't American slavery, which is why they say bond servant. Even at the time, there were, there were, there were black people that actually had bond servants and slaves too. This is not the same. So hear me, Paul is not saying slavery in America. I need y'all to hear this. He's not saying it's right. Now, I got to say that because this is the same verse that was used to enslave black people in America. Oh, we can have slaves and they throw away the just and the, and the fairness. We're going to just do this. Okay, uh, we're going to have slaves. This is the same verse. So I got to talk about that. But instead, it's him saying this, that even when you have bond servants or slaves, they are to be treated with dignity and fairness. He says slaves obey out of a reverence to God. And honestly, if the slave and master uh, language is too harsh for you in the context of the way it happened back then, it, it's re- it really could be said employees obey your boss as fitting to the Lord. Bosses treat your employees justly and fairly. Hear me. It is very important to read scripture in its context and not through your own interpretive lenses. Scripture is true and good, but scripture read out of context is how you get American slavery. Did you hear me? That's how you get it. Where where now, instead of a bond servant who owed a debt and were treated justly, black people who were kings and queens in their native land are now stolen or sold as property and treated less than animals. And even in this day, Paul has to say this because masters weren't being just. I mean, could you imagine somebody pulling out this letter right now in the middle of, of the town? Paul just wrote a letter. Everybody gathers in the middle of the temple, wherever they are, and he starts reading this. uh, They start reading it out. And and, and you got husbands over here, women over here because they can't sit together. You got children in the back because they can't sit with their fathers. And then you got masters up front and the bond service in the back. And Paul just starts saying, you got to treat your women right. You can't be harsh. And and, and you you can't provoke your your children. You got to love them well. And and you got to be fair and just to to your children. to your slaves and your bond service. And you, you know how many people in there are like throwing stuff at him right now and, and like, who, who are you talking to? 
This is my property. You know how awkward that would have been? But I hope you're seeing the trend here. See, Paul, he takes the lesser or at least the person that's deemed as less than in society. And then he says, submit and obey as is fitting to the Lord. But then he says to the superior in society, here's the right instruction. Let me correct you on what has been societally acceptable. Let me, let me correct that. Paul is pointing out, as we said in weeks past, that it's not society or people that inform how you live your life. But instead, you are to live your life, watch this, as an outpouring of your identity in Christ. It's not society or people. You're to live your life as an outpouring of your identity in Christ. There's a big difference. See, what's happened in our world, as I roll through the list, is that women have had to fight for their rights and equality because of how men have treated them. Children have disobeyed, been troubled in and out of jail, or even worse, because no father has been around or they've been abused. We've had unjust slavery and brutality because along the line, masters weren't treating those who had debt fairly or, or justly. And what ends up happening is we get American slavery. And, and Paul is trying to set the record straight and say all that you do, how you live, it comes from your identity in Christ comes from your obedience to him. Verse 23, 24, he says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Paul says, don't live the way you do to serve man. You live the way you do to serve God. This means that no matter what someone says or does to you, even though it may make you feel a way, as a believer, hear me, you're not to let it dictate your disposition or action. Your life is to be informed by your identity in Christ. You know, something that really messed me up as I was reading this, as I was studying, I started thinking about slavery and being a slave, someone else's property. They were beaten and they were treating like dogs. I'll just speak to American slavery, inhumane, blisters on their hands and their feet from picking cotton or whatever they might have been doing all day. Sun beating down on them, sunburnt from being out there all day. But they still served their masters in the midst of injustice. And I, and I started reading, because I'm like, how did they do this? Started reading old hymns and Negro spirituals, songs like Go Down to Moses, Still Away to Jesus, Wade in the Water, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. L listen to the words of that song, Sweet Low, Sweet Chariot, Coming Forward to Carry Me Home, Sweet Low, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. Coming for it to carry me home. I looked over the Jordan, and what did I see? Coming for it to carry me home. I saw a band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Friends, they sang these songs together all throughout the fields and throughout the day. 
and they were able to serve in all they did, not because it was easy, not because they wanted to, but because they knew what Jesus had already done. They knew that Jesus had submitted to his father on their behalf and died the worst kind of death. And they knew, watch this, that one day he was coming back for them. That's why they could sing, swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. They could sing that song because they knew he was coming back to take them home. So they served and they gave of themselves in the midst of injustice. They held on to Jesus and freedom from slavery eventually came they stayed together and they served regardless of what was happening to them and this really convicted me it convicted me because I'm not getting whipped on a day-to-day basis I don't have blisters on my hands from picking cotton I'm not I'm not treated as less than an animal I'm I'm not someone else's property and if they could serve under that kind of treatment, what could I do knowing Jesus in a state of freedom and not slavery? How much more could I make of Jesus if I had the same understanding of my ancestors, if you want to say, for instance, at my job? How much more could I make of Jesus if I had the same understanding in my community, in my home, in the classroom? How much, whatever place you're in right now, how much more could you make of Jesus if it wasn't about everybody else and what society thinks, but it was only about him and what he thinks about me? How much more could you make of Jesus? Friends, Jesus gave it all, getting beat to a pulp, nails in each one of his hands and his feet, hoping and praying that people would come to know him. But he didn't have an expectation or any entitlement, which we suffer from today in this day. And if anybody wanted to have entitlement or expectation, Jesus was the only one that could. He was God in the flesh. He could do that, but he doesn't. Hear me as a believer. We're to live from a place of identity in Christ, which informs Your obedience, because he first was obedient on our behalf. Lastly, and I'm out your way, not only does proper submission follow sacrificial love, obedience not only flows from your relationship with Christ, but we must all remember who we truly serve. Friends, this is for the the least of people or the lowest And for the highest or the greatest of people, all of us are to live with Jesus in mind, where verse one of chapter four says that he's not necessarily here physically on this earth, but he's in heaven. Now, instead of breaking all that down, I need your help with this. Let me ask you, what could our world look like if we all lived with Christ in mind? As a matter of fact, I want y'all to just start blurting this out. What would our world look like if we all lived honoring Jesus as our master? What would it look like if we all loved and we lived like him? Just yell out some examples. What would our world look like? I want to hear from you. Peace. Peace. Safe. Safe. 
No hunger. Welcomed. Come on, come on, give me some more. Family, equity, loving children. Just, justice, love. Come on, y'all can keep going. What, what else? Freedom. No, no more? No war. Yes, no war. No more tears. Oh, for sure. Yeah, none of that. Hear me, that's Paul's point in this passage. It's not submission. Paul's point in this whole passage is that when we live with Christ in our minds and we live in him and all we do, not only does our households begin to change, our parenting begins to change. Not only that, but the government starts to change and society starts to change. And then the whole world can look different because we remember who our true master is and we choose to serve him rather than anything else. Just imagine what could this world look like. Jesus chose 12 guys and they turned the whole world upside down for his glory. Imagine what a church of hundreds could do. Imagine what a church of thousands could do. Family, that's our vision at Renewal Church. We're renewed in Jesus through his work in us. We're rebuilt in Jesus through community and through reading his word. And then we're released to impact the world for his good and his glory, which in turn is for our good. Imagine what this world could look like if we truly served the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Imagine what your relationships could look like if we love like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for you. God, we do give you praise. We give you honor. God, we do ask right now that, that we would make a decision in all we do. Instead of everything being about us and our good as a society that we live in, what would it look like for us to love the person next to us, to love our neighbor? God, I just imagine a world that's fully in love with you, Jesus, how much better would it be? So God, I, I pray for the, everyone in here that that's, that would be our motivation, that we would love like you, sacrificially, out of obedience and your working in and through us, that we will remember you in all we do and all we say. God, for the person that walked in here and saying, I, I, don't even, I didn't even believe in Jesus. And God, I pray right now, Lord, I, I pray that as they're here, they're not just here for any reason, God. They're here because you brought them to this place. So, Lord, I, I pray as you draw them here, you draw them to yourself and they would know and confess you as Lord and Savior. Knowing that by that confession and their belief, they are saved. And then, God, I pray that you take them from that place to where they would love now, like you. And this world will be different because of them. God, I pray that over our church, that we wouldn't just be a church that sits inside four walls and we sing great songs and hear great messages and we just come, become really fat people, God. But, God, I pray that we would be 
broken and poured out for you. That we be vessels used for your glory. That we be like sponges that are wrung out all over society. So that your goodness and your glory would go throughout this whole earth. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all say together. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.